Wasted. Now do it. Come on, Ben. Now, no. Welcome to the Dresden time. Files podcast. The Dresden Files podcast where we podcast about the Dresden Files. Uh, today, we're talking about... Oh, come on. Today, we're talking about Deadbeat. We're doing a reading <laughs> of the series. But first Christmas. Well, <laughs> That's why I said occasional. What? Dude, Ben, we even talked about this, man. Did, yeah. did you not pay any attention what? to the pre-show? Come on. This Christmas I'm part sorry, three. What, what was it? <laughs> I had to mute the video. I was watching it. What was going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know we're live, right? Like professionally. Oh, oh privately. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about conspiracies, you said, right? Was it conspiracies? Um, more or less. Christmas. But first oh. Christmas and Colin. Gets to experience hey, Christmas two hey. weeks delayed. Like two weeks. Delayed. <laughs> uh, less than, more than. Yeah. Well, we, have <laughs> news. we have the update. We have the update on the chapters he's done. Yeah. Benjamin, you're fired. As of January 17th, he's <laughs> was... chapter 41. How many so, chapters are there? More than 41. I'm, I'm, I'm 60 to 70. Woo! Conspiracy theories. Oh. No, it's going to be like somewhere between 50 and 55. Nope. Everything happens in peace talks. You just can't fit it all in. This is not going to be a you know Harry Potter 3 to Harry Potter 4 situation. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. It's no, that was 4 to 5. 5 was, four was four, pretty four. big. 3 4 was pretty big, though, too. 1, 2, and 3 were novel, like just standard novel length, and then she started getting crazy. And then 4 was like a, a weapon you bludgeoned somebody with. Four, there was like you know, 20 chapters before we went to school. <laughs> the Dresden Files podcast, we were talking about Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, so we're going to see someone open a gift. <laughs> yes. Continue. So I'm just going to go ahead and start opening things. <laughs> Keep talking so the focus stays on you. Huzzah! Looks <laughs> well, like a book. Hamilton. All of his shit was books. I was like, are you That's for real right now? Like, for. <laughs> Tree hater. And now Hamilton's awesome, and he's one of my favorite founding fathers. Right. But more relevant to us today. Ooh. Nice. Oh, I have yet to get to this series, so that's exciting. You hadn't read that one yet? Wow. I know. I'm yeah. trying to write a whole stupid steampunk thing and whatever not. And well, and that's that's why I was like, I mean, uh, you can read the thing, obviously, but it's like, how have you? Not, I, I mean, I understand maybe you didn't have a physical copy and you wanted the pretty version or whatever, but how have you not read that one yet? Uh. If that camera was detachable, I could show you the stack of books in my pocket <laughs> that I have not gotten to yet, and I mean, the larger stack of books that I have, which has now just increased. You're in. You're in for a treat, though. Like, that Jim Butcher guy, he can also survive. I don't know who that Hamilton founding Mooch is. <laughs> He's just some guy who got shot. And I did read Chernow's uh, biography on uh, George Washington, and he's a very good biographer. So I'm looking right. forward to that. No, I, I was uh, excited to see Ham the Hamilton for the same reason, but obviously it's like you put a Jim Butcher book on your wish list and one of the <laughs> Dresden Files people got you. Yeah. That is true. So, it also helps that it is one of my favorite books, like, you know, right. especially outside of the Dresden Files. Like, you know, I just, he wrote really good shit. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I it, it is really good. I mean, have you read the other series he's, he's written? Uh, Clara, yes. I you enjoyed like better that. Than that. Because I cannot get into that. And I really like Jim. Like, I really want to. But goddamn. 
I think it's I got four, four times, and I'm and I've booked two, two, four times. I'm not sure I can. I try think Codex Lair holds up really well, especially the first three or four, uh, and then by then you're just invested. And you want to refinish the series again, but again, I've never listened to the audiobooks, and I know you only do the audiobooks, so it is what it is. I mean, how could it not hold up? It's Pokemon meets the Lost Roman Legion, so yeah, yeah. these are two of my favorite things. Right. Well, the Pokemon. I still think the, the, the like now Lost Roman Legion. They're going to be lost forever. <laughs> Literally. I feel like Pokemon's not really a good word to describe what he ended up with. No, but it's his own words. So it kind of started with that elemental spirit thing. Yeah, yeah. it started with the idea of Pokemon, and then they kind of went away from that. But yeah. I, I enjoyed the series, and I mean, it was worth reading. Yeah, All I remember from book one is I swear there was some StarCraft circs on there. I was going to say, like, yeah, I, I've only read the one book myself, but that's kind of my understanding, too. It's like, you know, Pokemon, the Lost Legion fight the Zerg, so. You know. <laughs> okay, I don't well, remember like exactly Zerg That's what I, I always feel say. feel like, like yeah, actually, are like Zerg, they're like bugs, they're like Borg. It's going to make them too powerful. The Zerg mm. and the Borg are kind of the same trope, to be fair. Uh, I think at I've some point made... you described that the, the bugs in Codex Lyra were Borg, Borg-ish, and then he realizes what later the Zerg has to happen. Mm. I think he said that somewhere. Well, yeah, they, they, feel, they feel completely alien to the setting, which I guess is probably the point. But yeah. it, I don't think it, the blend came across too well with that setting. I would have preferred a different big bad, personally. But he did it so well that I still appreciate it. Do you, you know? prefer big bads like necromancers? I don't know. Oh, well, that was <laughs> a uh, Necromancers are what we're talking about tonight. We're bringing this podcast back to life. Um, let's see here. Oh, what kind of stuff do we want to talk about for Dead to Beat? Book seven. Dead people. <laughs> and how they get up again. That's my favorite part. So uh -huh. like when they're dead and then they they animate and start killing shit again. So I forgot how good a book it was. I think it's been a while. It's so good. It's, yeah. it's spoilers. I mean, come on, how do you, <laughs> how do you forget that shit? Like honestly, I, I, I yeah. I've forgotten Sue. It's not bad. It's like general, just the book is really good. Right, storylines like like we talked about this in some of the others, like where it was like it felt like too much was going on, or like, like they were kind of not connected. It felt it was like it, I don't think that was the case here. Right. Oh, yeah, no, it, this one was much more straightforward. Right. But still introducing a lot of elements that carry through. Yeah, a lot of a things lot. that get introduced into Deadbeat last forever and ever and ever, and I mean, retroactively no cause more conspiracies. Yeah. I mean, the, the Sheila thing is still paying off, paying off, right? You have the uh, uh, Lash, Lash Sheila, and then it just becomes Lash, and then Lash dies, but then you got Bonnie, and now Bonnie's, you know, uh, mini Bob. So uh, some of this, this stuff really continues to pay off throughout the rest of the series. Uh, right. I, I, was, I was actually thinking when I was reading this that it was supposed to be, it's the first hardcover, so it had to be epic. So I was thinking, is this a good entry point? That's what, what I was thinking about when I was reading the book again this time. 
would this be a good entry point for somebody in the series? And I don't think it would be because well, he, there's so he much. Tried. With also before. like highlighting the fact that this is book seven out of a series that's already established, but here right. is kind of introductory to the world in his conversation with Butters about magic and people disappearing. I, yeah, yeah. I think he did in the sense that he doesn't go too too deep in some of the backstory, but I I mean I I'd be curious if there are fans out there who did start with book seven, uh, because you know there are definitely there are very obviously things that get touched on in previous books. I mean, Cassius' mm -hmm. entire character is like, P.S., we haven't seen him for two books, and he got fucked up last time, you know? And you, all you get is that there is some kind of history because Dresden's like, I told you, you know, next time I see you, I'll kill you. Of course, he was getting carved up at the time, but, you know, there's obviously history there. You know, there's clearly a backstory. So even if you didn't know you were seven books in, like if you liked it, what you read and went to go look it up, and you're like, shit, I got to go read all the other books now. And Honestly, that's why I'm just like, yeah, yeah. save people the effort and start with one, you know? Yeah. Well, there, there are plot threads that it picks up all the way back from book two, right? So you have the alphas show up. He has to explain about the alphas. You have the, right. the uh, vampire war, which he actually has to explain about that. You have the... Mm -hmm. is there a fair, yeah, you have about the White Council, war. Senior Council. Yeah, yeah, you have Mavra, you have... Yeah. Uh, you have Thomas is a, is, the, is a brother, you know, and then you have... Mad. We have so so much stuff that he has to explain that happened in the previous books that there's a lot on your plate if you're a reader coming to the series new. Having not started on book seven personally, I don't know how I would feel about it if it was my first book. But it he touched on so many things. It's not a bad layer of groundwork if you did have to start back over again. Like right. you'd recognize Mab as a name. You'd recognize oh the fairy godmother thing that he briefly mentions in book one. Hmm. Alphas, and then he's talking about like, okay, Cassius is coming up again. You start in book five, but the backstory of what Cassius is wanting is also being explained with Sheila. Right. Right. And so it's like on two different plot points, he is describing the same history. Yeah, and that can be that can be difficult for a writer to pull off in terms of uh, having all that stuff show up in a book and have to be explained, and you hear it through the narration. And you have to just accept that you're being spoon-fed these details. Uh, my dad's kind of a picky reader, I guess. Like he reads serious, great works of all time. I recommended the first Codex Alera book, and he's like, I couldn't get through the first chapter because it was just so much talking about the world rather than, you know, it's it done in a very uh, ham-fisted way. And that's that was his opinion. I don't, I didn't find that problem at all. But that can be a problem if you have so much. It's like a learning curve. It's just like a learning wall, and then you hit that, and uh, it's, it is. It would be kind of a lot to digest, though. Like you said, it would be a good point to come back to the series for the threads that are also established for the future. So, right. I mean, this it's a nexus point of of the story, right? So you know, we get we get the uh, tidbits that we saw Cal and Kumori in book three. You know, that that's where we technically met them. Um, you know, like you said, tying a bunch of stuff from, you know, book one, book two, book three, book five, you know, all into it. And this this shit is still paying dividends, you know. Um, I, I liked also that, you know, Lashiel was very foreshadowed in, you know, book uh, six, for example, and very heavily in the beginning of book seven. And then, you know, you finally get, 
you know, you finally get that the whole lid blown off of that where like the butter scene where that gets uncovered. It's just so heavy to me every time, uh, you know, where it's like butter's just wandering around in the dark and Dresden doesn't even know any better. And, and it's, it's like in proven guilty. I'm, I'm excited for that next because it's the whole, like Harry, where's your blasting rod all over again, where it's like when people fuck with Harry's mind and he's like, what my whole world is shattered, you know, like what is going on? So um you just get to see so much shit kicked off you know so seeing sheila in this reread is very satisfying if you're prepared and know already about lash because there you see you meet sheila then you find about find out about lash and in that you know hot tub scene Uh, Mm -hmm. and so you have both of those being introduced in that order but you get enough interplay with both of them that you should be able to get pick up the little hints you know uh this is one of those things where it's like better on rereads at least kind of like skin games right with gray and uh and harry yeah there's about four or five things in in skin game uh with uh, goodwin gray and sheila is what allowed malcolm to come in because he said they crossed a line and it was because she did that illusion character of sheila you think that's what it was Okay. Yeah, he meets Sheila, and then he goes to sleep after reading the book that he got from Box. He talks to his father, and they have coffee together, and then it continues on. I, Malcolm was only able to do that because Sheila. Right. I well, and I mean, I know, I know she had broken the rules, right? Like she had broken the balance, but I had assumed that it might have even been earlier because she has to break the rules in order to get an in, right? So this whole, mm-hmm. this whole her coming coming out thing is that she's been manipulating his subconscious the entire time, including subtly powering his shit with hellfire. It's been, she's been amping up his magic the whole time anyway. And that's how he's able to flip the car on cowl, whether, but I don't remember if that was the first time he conscientiously used it. Um, The thing with um, the wall is where like the mind wall is where the first time he decides to use it, not an instinct. Right, 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 right. It's her to him directly. Yeah, but but you get the sulfur smell at the time, and that's where he's like, you know, Bob, something's supercharging my magic. And Bob's like, why are you doing that? And he's like, I'm not. And that's because Sheila's just doing it for him. He didn't get a choice. And so she had been breaking the rules for a little while um, because I, I, think you, I think you get a taste of that in um, Blood Rites as well, like with the wind and a few other things, because he, he has that whole interchange with um, Kincaid. And Kincaid's like, man, I've I've really never seen a wizard cut loose before. And he's like, buddy, you still haven't, you know. Um, and, and while his staff is smoldering, and I think like it, that's one of the times where he's like, wait a minute, it's never done that before, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so you get yeah, you get this foreshadowing, and she's obviously been breaking the rules. So that's why I was curious, you know, you thought the illusion itself was over the line. You yeah. Know? Yeah, directly making that kind of contact and therefore manipulating what he was seeing. He's no longer able to make a full conscious choice of things because he thinks that there's someone else he needs to protect. That's fair. And like the the whole illusion, I think that's the the issue of crossing the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that what gets me curious now is that where is Malcolm and why is Sheila Blashiel's actions allowing Malcolm to make contact with Dresden? Does that mean that he's in league with Uriel or he's a ghost or he's just somewhere? 
I, I think he's definitely part of Uriel's fruit squad, you know, where like he's he's working with Carmichael and uh and Papa Murphy, right? So um like I think it's all part of the same team, same kind of job. But so. that is very strange because Malcolm never seemed like someone who would hang around. It, there, it's still an open question, right? Like, yeah. do you take him at his word that, oh, he totally died with an aneurysm <laughs> in his sleep, or was he fucking murdered? Because well, even like, if he was murdered, he just doesn't seem like someone who would hang around. He seemed to be content with the idea of passing on, at least in the, the way that I've always seen his character. Maybe somebody took him from his boy. Like, that you know. could be. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it could be, or he could be, he passed on, was like, and then, hey, I got something for you. Yeah, I'll help him. I'll help him out. It could be. I mean, it could even be if he did go through that big door of Uriel's and faces whatever is beyond that, that doesn't mean that he can't come back. We just don't know what that door means. Well, it, it would be implied that if Lad right? is set up with the big bad, if that's her side of things, that says something about the not either that faction of the Denarians or the Denarians in general, as opposed to Harry, which we kind of already knew, but. There's the temptation now to think of the Denarians as trying to save the world in a misbegotten way. Maybe they're anti-heroes. Maybe they're not. I'm uh, not tempted. There's at least three sides of this. There's the Uriel White God. There's Nicodemus. Oh, four. There's White Council, and there's there's the Mab and uh, Margaret Le Fay and all that. I think there's at least four, potentially four categories. I mean, there's a lot more than that. Yeah, but... yeah. There's more. Alright. And yet, in the end, there's really only two: team reality, team not reality. Right. Like, I mean, kind of yes, kind of no, because like I'm, I'm not convinced that Lord Wraith knows enough to be competently helping team reality. And so it's like, like, so for example, like, what if you know, what if Margaret hadn't you know tried to escape, and what if she hadn't you know given him the curse and whatever? Do you really think he was going to wind up on the same side as Mab? In, in defending the wall and if he, especially if he's getting protection from an outsider he seems pretty firmly in the black council in league with type people that's fair yeah that's i mean he he wanted to be a player right didn't say for who mm -hmm. i mean it seems like someone like in all the chaos i'll be able to just get my own realm bigger my own more power bigger right and causing yeah. that chaos to happen is probably... I mean, it's pretty much the same thing Nicodemus wants to do, except he wants to do it for reality. He's the same... Gen he doesn't want to save the world because he's altruistic. He wants to be king of the ashes. He's right. happy to see it all burned down as long as hell, mm. him, whoever is the one I don't in think charge now. True motivation. I mean, like, yes, he's on the side of team reality, but what he's wanting to do with it, I think right. it's... He's, he's on the side of team reality, essentially by dint of the way Harry says he defends America. All his stuff is here. That's <laughs> that's about as far as it goes. I can't blow up reality. That's where I keep all my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So... So anyway, so yeah, I mean, I think I think Malcolm is part of Uriel's crew, like, or at the or at the very least, Uriel sent him because mm -hmm. you know we have it's the same it, it's the exact same thing when we see him in Ghost Story and several other times, like Uriel shows up or sends somebody to balance the scales. Um, you know, he's the archangel with purview over Harry at the moment, uh, I guess. You know, 
Um, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, like for that whole Malcolm thing, like, you know, the, it's awesome. It's a great bit of storytelling. Harry gets the feels, all of that stuff. But presenting Lashiel as the Jabberwocky out in, in the forest, you know, too. And one of the other tidbits that I put in my notes for it as well is that, you know, Harry's like, oh, this is much better than my normal dreams, a whole lot less tentacles and screaming. And it's like, why do you have tentacles and screaming dreams? What exactly has happened to you? Where because it's like, wait a minute, we're this is book seven, man. You have had zero encounters with tentacles that we've seen. Uh, so where's that the coming thing from? that ate Madge's face and blood rates, I think, technically had tentacles. Weird energy okay. tentacles, but I think technically, right? Yeah, that's right. Because the uh, the walker, yeah, like came out and pierced her. That makes a lot more sense. So there's enough yeah. mundane things he could have run across that aren't book worthy that still had tentacles. Yeah, yeah. Even Michael says that in the next book. You know, Fang's tentacles. <laughs> he's just that's thinking normal. he's talking about regular demons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, then yeah. this this book also has its first the first mention of old ones, I believe, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Well, it's the first mention of the outsiders. The outsiders. And yeah. the old ones, specifically. I think it specifically says the old ones. Right. It well, it does. says it's both of them. Same one. The outsiders mm -hmm. were a race of foot soldiers that served the old ones, the ancient gods, oh, yes, to yes. run the place. Right. Yes. Is this the first time that we have indication, direct stated indication, that the White Council is being eaten from the inside out? I believe so. Right. Um, I, I think you get a couple of, you know, comments where it's like, you know, the White Council either isn't what it used to be or it's not whatever. And it's like Harry's like, because uh, I think Elaine brings some of that to the table, right? And Harry's like, you don't got to fucking tell me. But um, yeah, so mostly it's just like, the fact that the they're time. as untrustworthy as any group of people. Well, kind of. But but yeah, uh, you know, it's book book three as well, right? Because, you know, Simon gets betrayed. Cal fakes his own death, um, but you know, oh, so, like obviously, there's there's somebody working on the inside there, and they're assumed that they died because fucking everybody died at Archangel. But um, every time I reread this book, I am more certain that Cal is Petrovich. Right. I'm still not yeah. certain that. That's I, okay. right. Oh God! All it's the other correct, ideas are terrible. Obviously. Right. No, it's it's true. Like, yeah. I kind of want him not to just be somebody. I wanted. I'd rather have him just. If he's going to be somebody, just have him be a new character. It he's essentially going to be that, even if it's Petrovich. That's what everyone complains about. Like yeah. he's not important enough. It's the Lamar effect is my problem. Is Lamar shows up once in this book and it's fine, but then because he had a paramedic named Lamar, Lamar shows up again for like a second. Half a second. He's like yeah, I know. barely I don't mentioned. Like that. I don't like this. It's, Jim is a lazy writer. Yeah, put it in there. He's going to use it. By his own admission, Hunger Games is the same thing. Uh, anyway. How how dare you reuse elements that you reintroduced or introduced well, cheaply? Cheaply, like, how is it? Him being Simon is the maximum lever uh, of leverage against Ebenezer. And yeah. so that's why I think Ebenezer, it's either going to go down in peace talks because everything happens in peace talks or Ebenezer's going to survive peace talks because that shit still needs to happen. He needs to be betrayed by his dead best friend. That's, I mean, come on, that, 
there are very few things that I feel like I've seen from a thousand miles away. And that's one of them. The one that I can't put a finger on is Kumori, like, because all the ideas are terrible, but I, you know, you could go for the double betrayal because I think he specifically says that Kumori feels, um, like somebody he, he should know. And that's where you get the whole like Elaine theories, but it just occurred to me, uh -huh. like he knows, he knows, uh, Martha Liberty too. So it'd be, It'd be crazy if for something like that. It's like, guess what? Two fucking senior council people. Right. The only reason I wouldn't say Martha so. Liberty is because the way that they mentioned her actions as the Red Court was attacking, like she was there, she was doing a sure. thing. So Kamori can't be in two places at once, hopefully. That's fair. I feel yeah. like Kamori's, like the way she, she speaks, it's not like Elaine at all. Oh, yeah. No. And yeah, th there's definitely an old world style there but it's like but who else like dresden hasn't met a lot of female wizards right i still like the idea of morgan's dead girlfriend no sure and i i think that's dead. fantastic because she was with petrovich she was that archangel right there's zero percent evidence like we've got one throwaway line from morgan that he cared about somebody who was at archangel it Morgan could have been, it could have been a bro. Like it could have been uh, somebody he went through. Like there's no indication of gender there. Right. Just that no, Morgan's right. pissed off that Harry somehow, well, because he kicked off the war, right. Harry kicked off the war that got his special someone dead, you know, but yeah, I mean, in technically, like Carlos, Harry. that keeps making more sense yeah. to me though. If it was uh, Cal Kamori Petrovich and whoever at Archangel, when she says Cal has dealt with, death curses before plenty of them that's that's fair yeah and it just seems like this gigantic highlighting thing of like he's petrovich because they mentioned how many death curses were being thrown at archangel mm -hmm. so yes but i mean specifically they they talk about it in summer night right that there was mm -hmm. like one big death curse that was almost certainly him and his squad. And they took like 20 vampire nobles or some nonsense, you know, or oh, maybe I'm mixing that with the Morgan fight later, but, but I mean, some cataclysmic unleashing of energy happened there. And so like, that's, that's one of the things that it's hard for me to figure out. I mean, he, he would have had to have had some kind of cover, you know, either, he opened a gate and snuck out the back wall. His apprentices died or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. like there still had to be a huge fuck ton of energy unleashed there somehow. I we mean, just if haven't seen anything other than that guy and all of his apprentices through their death curses at him. That might cause something like that. Well, he had, he only had one apprentice and she's named, I think in the, in the RPG handbook is like oh. Larissa Yevchenko oh. or something like yeah. that. That's a thing. So okay. that would be Elaine. I mean, Kamori uh, potentially. <laughs> but, and there's also like apparently you can't have you don't have to have only one apprentice, considering they explicitly state Justin. Well, but also specifically before we get too far off the tracks, there they talk about the Ar the Archangel Brute Squad. So he clearly had other wizards with him, mm -hmm. right? But those were well at a minimum those were wardens. Because they sure. mentioned that in another, I, I don't remember if it was a word of Jim or if it was whatever, but you know, he mentioned the wardens out of the brood squad. But I'm um, just, out of I, Archangel. I mean, yeah, I call them apprentices, but I imagine he was the dude in charge, senior council yeah. member. Oh, like, he may not have been teaching them per se, you know, in the in that role. Like, they weren't brown robes, but you know, mm -hmm. they were his wards or whatever, for lack of a better. Yes, yeah. it was his group. The, the next thing 
that always makes it seem like someone Petrovich level was the fact that he says, I want to know what has everyone so scared about you. Right. And so he would have been there when Harry was on trial the first time. Right. And the fact that Ebenezer was the one that was, you know, and knowing that he'd be the black staff and all things like that. And then mm -hmm. later he says this line of, too bad, I thought you were ready for the heavyweight division. Oh, like, what the fuck do you mean by that? Yeah. He's like, what are you doing? I thought you were ready for something. Yeah. Right. But, well, and that's, so that's where, that's where it starts to get derailed. Cause like, I, I remember it being disappointed. I remember the, you know, heavyweight division, but going back through the lens of what's the black council been doing this whole time, specifically for this reread. And so it's like, so Cal's been pulling punches where he's been throwing credible threats at Dresden, but threats that he knew Dresden was going to overcome so that Dresden mm -hmm. would power up so that he could, for what, and to create why, more chaos, you know, more of a nuclear bomb type of situation. Yeah, help, he's priming it. Right? You just you get your uh, you get the hero all, all bothered, and he becomes like the the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and if it helps, as far as Petrovich goes, we found out in the last AMA that uh, he's an Earth Mage, so we know he's strong. And it was specifically mentioned he and his people were hell in hell on wheels in a fight. Right. What what do we know about Yoshimo? She shows up this book. Is Nothing. she Kamori? Is she what? Kamori. How would she be Kamori? Yeah, she will show up the same place. There, she got, didn't she get stabbed through the room? She was one of the wardens that got hurt. Yeah. But then does Kamori actually show up when he confronts Cowell? Yeah. Well, yes. She's holding the, um, the knife to him again. Because yeah. Um, and Ramirez, his like an entire chapter of how he can't use his Ramirez charm because, you know, what if she's ugly and just all this, like Ramirez is going to deal with her because Dresden's clearly, you know, the stronger wizard out of the two of them. Like just, did you read the ending? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I, th I was watching. I, I know. I, I mean, like I said, though, it's like Harry knows like five female wizards, right? So if she if she's familiar to him somehow, yeah, it's, it's, it's not either because my or something. Yeah, it's like it's either because you feel familiar because you were taught by Petrovich, who worked with Ebenezer, like one of those, like you know, you feel familiar because you've got the same kind of style of magic, or he directly knows her somehow, which really fucking narrows the suspect pool. You know, that's all I'm saying. It, it, like those are your your kind of options there, I think. So, yeah, um, it does and, sound a little bit more like a name, whereas Cal is just I have a mask. Kumori yeah. means hooded in Japanese, I think, or cloud. Oh, it literally is just name. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. It, it's the, the same type of in thing. Japanese. So maybe she is Yukio or Yoshino. Yoshino. Yeah. yeah, that's more like the connection. You're not supposed to use a language that you're fluent in, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, but it's she's just using the Japanese word for cowl as her moniker, not as her spell, right? Does she use Japanese? Uh, do no, do yeah. we actually get what her? Because cowl seemed Germanic, right? Like he. What did he say? Dorosh. Right. That yeah, that's not. I don't think that's Germanic. That sounds more Eastern, Eastern European. Like Germany, you know. Well, why don't we you ask know, the more European? Like <laughs> yes, you've decided he's Bulgarian today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Gaurush does not speak Germanic. Sounds no. Slavic, Slavic at least. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. So, like Russian. 
I didn't actually realize until this read through that the wobble in their voice is them using magic to change, like disguise their voices. Right. And then that I had that epiphany and then the catching on between that and Billy saying, I got super close, but I couldn't get a smell. And it's like, man, I'm an idiot. How like it, it just be, must be one of those details that I'm like, that's very neat, but I'm not going to do anything with that. So I forget it or something because it's so <laughs> obvious in the book that it's like, you know. They're clearly asking their identities for magic. And they feel the need to, so. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they'd be recognized, because they're someone who would be known. Right. Like or either way, it's, good, it's a good habit. Like a dead person. <laughs> you know, it's, they've been in the background of everything for the first six books, more or less, so. Yeah. Gotta hide yourself somehow. Well, not really, though, right? Because what did they have to do with uh, death masks? So good that, question. Yeah, and and I mean blood rights, kinda. They took the dogs. Right, right, they yeah, right, right, right. But but still, like that was more like, you know, a and death masks. I guess like, you would you could argue this, you know, their involvement with the Red Court. I'm not sure. saying they were, it's you know, paying dividends. Like, the string pullers and all of them, but their you know, their footprints are in sure yeah. something. You know, they're not the direct necessarily. Uh, uh, they may have been responsible for, Aurora, but generally speaking, that was a self-contained, big ass problem that they may yeah. have just kind of brushed against. Well, so here's here's a thing too, right? So. I'm I'm reaching a little bit, and so it might be just crazy theory. But they so they talk about how, like I think there's like a, a line at one point how they talk about how the way has been prepared for this working for a long time, right? For the Dark Hallow, like they've been preparing. Clearly, the corpse taker has been working at least for months to get in with you know the guy who's got the uh, uh, Cahokian artifacts and all that stuff, so that she's got a a, a font of old human necromantic energy whatever that she can pull from gravain's got some similar kind of source because you see them finally employed at the end and whatnot so i'm curious like you know what cal was doing you know in advance because i think even cal mentions that and it might be alongside his whole um you know talking about he's the one that hex down the power grid and mm -hmm. and radio waves and several other more subtle uh, technologies. So it, it, that one made me call out to like, maybe that was the feds, you know, where it's like microwave, you know, tr uh, communication or some other nonsense. But it's like, I wonder if the first several books, like that's part of what he's doing is that he's been laying that groundwork. And that's part of why they're all in Chicago is because yeah. Cowell has been doing the, the brunt of the work for it. But the others at least recognize, you know, the opportunity there and, and show I up. Mean that that's a lot of what they were doing in the first few books of making Chicago more unstable, like especially grave peril, they yeah. were deliberately weakening the border between reality and the never, never. Right. So it, it th those kinds of things of increasing the amount of dead people or the ease it is to call dead people back to life mm -hmm. is that's a lot of what they were doing in creating instability. Well, and what's mm -hmm. interesting is that they generally don't, care about getting the books other than keeping them away from everybody else right yeah they are so they already it. knew 
or they they ended up getting Bob, you know, for for reasons at the end, right? So maybe they knew another point of him being Petrovich because he, he would, would know, know that Justin had uh, Bob and Kemmler and that whole connection there. That's oh, I mean that's, that's a good solid. That's yeah. pretty solid actually. Is that because he was a Kemlerite, he knew about Bob. He knew mm -hmm. Justin got Bob. He knew mm -hmm. Dresden at least had the opportunity to get Bob because all he knew is that when he went to Justin's burned down place, I'm crazy theory town right now, right? So he goes to Justin's burned down place and Bob is missing. So he assumes the apprentice got him. Yeah, mm -hmm. that tracks. That's super circumstantial, but really solid circumstantial. <laughs> There's there's next level tinfoil if you say that it is Petrovich, but it's because Kebler switched bodies with Petrovich. Maybe, but I mean, as as Bob and Mab and Mac and you know anybody who knows, basically Kebler is a psycho. Like you don't keep that kind of crazy under wraps. You know, like Cowell is way too calm and calculated in comparison. So. Mm -hmm. And not to say that Kemmler didn't have to be some kind of devious as well, because he spent over a hundred years setting up World War One, you know. But like, right, right. but Kemmler is a nut job, you know, in comparison. Like Mab called him a psycho. <laughs> Kemmler probably already already did a dark color. Uh, uh, yeah, dark. Uh. Well, and I th I think he he was either perfecting it or trying it in World War Two, right? World War Two seemed to be like. Uh, an opportunity for him because that's how they found out he was still alive is that he was running around animating mass graves, you know, mm -hmm. at the, uh, at the various um, centers, right. The concentration camps and everything. So, and that's such an awesome use of fantasy. Like, uh, unfortunately it's a very terrible, horrible, tragic thing. Straight out of Warhammer. Life, but, but yeah, it, it's very, it's very much like, you know, like I had a buddy who was like, I'm going to create a fantasy world where like everything is dead except for the heroes. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to play a team of necromancers because it sounds like there are raw materials everywhere. Like, you know. Yeah. So and what the, the hell was Mavra doing today? Like today? today? Well, you know, just like <laughs> what, what I mean, it's so suspicious that she says, hey, bad things happening, mm -hmm. get yourself involved. And then she disappears for like 10 books. Right. I, there's, I couldn't even start to speculate because you know, like your two options are she needed the word because she could use something in it or she needed to keep it away from somebody. But it seems like she could have been, I mean, maybe it wouldn't be Mavra if she was lighter handed, but. Like, she could have destroyed it if she didn't want anyone to have it. Well, she couldn't right. be charitable to Dresden. She couldn't say, hey, just so you know, a bad thing's going to happen because right. he wouldn't believe her. That's, so she has right. to force him into it, threaten her, his friend. But and then, then she bitches out at the end. Exactly. Like, she yeah. didn't do it. Even though he knows that it's a very high possibility of people being tracked, he still gets help and tells everything to Thomas. And she doesn't do anything about it. All she did well, was get yeah. him involved. Right. But and, I mean, that was something oh, that he was concerned about the whole time with the alphas and whatnot as well. Yeah. So, and yeah. she didn't. Seems kind of like the um, Marcon approach where he's talking to him and he said, you know, I'm not going to work for you. It's like, you're going to go up against them. And that's all I need. Yeah. I right. don't think she really actually cared who he got involved or why, so long as he did the thing. 
even <laughs> though she said otherwise. You know? Yeah, so, it was just you know, a needing to put on the show of being the bad guy. She's evil. She's, <laughs> you know, you got to have a reputation to live up to. It's going to be either she wants to be able to use the magic or she wants to be able to defend against the magic if there's Or she like wants to have Dresden do something later, which she's supposed to be an ally of Dresden's in Mirror Mirror. We just don't know which Dresden. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know about how much she could want him to do later because as much as we make a uh, a big deal about him having looked at the Dark Hollow, I mean, that that really only mattered when he had Lash in his head. And yeah, maybe Bonnie knows it now, but mm. he doesn't himself mm. really know anything. No, but if she points she, out, she of, I did a thing, I did you a favor of getting you involved, and now you're the Winter Knight, you owe me a favor. If that makes enough sense, then he might be obligated to her. No, I think he's already fulfilled his favor. Like, that's Maybe. blackmail at that point. That's not like Fey level favor. Well, like it was blackmail first time too. So. Right, but I'm just saying, like, you know, Harry makes it clear that they're they're free and clear. So even if you wanted to tr to try and Fey that one, like, no, mm. I can't imagine how that would work out as being like a, a you owe Mab a favor type of, of like, oh, well, I better do the thing. Now, it, it is possible that she uses the leverage on Mab and says, he owes me a favor, and Mab says, fucking do it then. Or exactly, yes. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, otherwise I'm like, no, he doesn't owe her shit. He owes her ass kicking is what he owes her. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, and I mean, he wasn't the knight when that happened, so I just, I, it's it's not even tenuous their kind of connection i don't yeah, it's a tenuous connection you know it's one thing it's one thing if matt if if mavro if mab owed mavra a favor you know like right. like she owed nicodemus a favor and then she could loan him out but uh this is the this is the book where he switched around um the whole molly story like because it was going hard. yes Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, I wonder how different the story would have been if Molly would have already been his apprentice. Well, it would have killed the whole everything except future Molly is Kumori nonsense, and that <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> Damn, that would be nice. <laughs> she probably. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, honestly, I mean, she would have been, you know, his apprentice, like either just in this book or. You know, she would have been like butters, maybe for a few months. Yeah, but... she would have had to have been butters running yeah, around with mouths. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, because it's like I honestly, I'm not even sure he would have used her in in place of butters now, possibly. But Dresden, even in the later books, is very much like you stay out of the line of fire, and he keeps her on the sideline until much later. And like, he would have done that is... exactly as much as he tried to do with butters. But then it would have been uh, the, he gave Butters the choice. Though. It would have been Michael Carpenter's daughter killing Cassius instead of future knight Butters. No, no. And then Butters would have been uh, trained by Mab or by become Winter Lady. When Harry is saying, yeah. "Michael, I need you right now, psychically teleport here right now," and it'd be his daughter instead. No. No, you, you guys have had too much of the crack bite this time. So, like, this <laughs> I is mean, too I, crazy of a theory. Like, I prefer the way it did play out with Butters being there and Molly being proven guilty, but sure, it, it would have happened. We're, we're in the brightest timeline, no doubt, right? But uh, no, like, 
<laughs> I know you got your hopes that butter would have been killed off and whatever. Well, but that's my that's how I'm doing the story for now. If you can view the story as Harry's still in Sheila's apartment, I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously Sheila likes uh, butters because uh, you know he's still around. So, no, nah, he ruined story. it for her. <laughs> and my, this time it would have been Molly because she can see through illusions. Yeah. Well, I mean, talk about talk about your what ifs and whatever. Like one of the ones that I liked was like, what if Harry did take up the coin by now? You know, like and and here's another one for again for Mirror Mirror where it's like, okay, so we got evil Harry with either the coin or vampire powers or both or more. Um, you know, what is what does Deadbeat look like when they show up? Does he just not give a shit and they they murder everybody and pull off the Dark Hallow anyway? Or like how much more powered up would he have been? Because he kind of holds his own a decent a bit for what's going on. So, you know, he would have gotten to jump on them a whole lot sooner. Lashiel would have been a partner with him uh, I mean, already, you know. So mirror mirror happens because normal Harry gets pulled into alternate universe, right? In order for that one to fake his own death. Right. Which is the idea he probably would have gotten out of Debbie. Kemler, body snatchers. Faking his own death. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe that's the first time he does it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe. You know, at the end with the dark hollow and. Like at the moment where Morgan, it's just about to kill him because he just saw him kill Lucio. Right. Or that. If that goes badly, it's like, okay, got to kill myself. And so that they stop running around after me. Right. Well, and, yeah, and I mean, I could kind of see that too. So like with, uh, I think it's Turncoat, right? He has the interaction with, with Rashid and Rashid's like, you know, look at it from our perspective. And he starts lift, listing off like the dark side of Harry's, all of Harry's accomplishments. Like, let's just assume the rap sheet sticks in Mirror Mirror where mm -hmm. like Harry becomes that dark evil wizard running around. So yeah, the, you know, if, even if, Nega Harry was technically quote unquote the good guy or the the antihero for Mirror Mirror's deadbeat where like he stops the Dark Hallow but all of the wardens suspiciously die and he's the only survivor they'd still assume he killed them mm -hmm. you know so they'd still hunt him down and whatever but yeah and and honestly I think like there's that's more reason for him to be actually turned in um in Mirror Mirror because you know, take the Battle of Sicily, for example, right? They talk about how mortal wizards have to summon up the outsiders and very likely, you know, they've either turned mortal wizards or have them as thralls or something like that. And so with, with Harry being a vampire, is he that guy? Is he able to still, you know, summon the outsiders for them and all this other, there's just too much, you know, there's just so much that gets introduced here. <laughs> What was that? Probably not if he's a full red. I don't think he can. You think they lose the ability to do it at that point? Well, yeah, once somehow you're not a human I... or a mortal. Okay. Because mm -hmm. somehow I had taken it that, like, because they, they make a big deal about, isn't that part of how this kicks off? Is it's like they take captives yeah, and they, they were worried about them being turned. Uh, so, so they... What? They'd be able to get information and other abilities, but that doesn't guarantee they'd be able to call outsiders. Okay. Right. They, so they, they get a wizard as a, right. Yeah. They get a wizard's power, but that doesn't as you know, if you have to be mortal, 
Yeah. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I I get it. I've just, you know, the vampires are also kind of weird <laughs> like Faye in the sense that it's like they're very close to mortal. So I just wasn't sure if like that's how it worked out in my head anyway. Um and we'll we'll see. You know, it'll just be one of those we haven't seen it yet, but um so, yeah. so during this battle, when they had to retreat through Ferry and the Red Court followed after, this causes the Summer Court to declare war on the Red Court because they cross the territory. And at this time, Winter doesn't do anything because Mab has Leah as a shesicle. That's part of it, right? But the... But there was more going on there. There's more going on, but she doesn't do guilty. anything. And it's obviously it brings about proven guilty. Right. I'm forgetting something and I can't remember what because I've forgotten it. I'm yeah, and I'm with okay. you because like what was the threat to winter where she couldn't act this time, right? She wouldn't leave Leah, maybe? Because well, she didn't have Leah, she didn't have her knight. Like, theoretically speaking, that's like half her quote-unquote potent fighting force as far as individuals go yeah and maybe maybe we're just underestimating how much it takes out of her to stop nemesis you know that she uh, she's got a bunch of her attention and power tied up in that effort as well obviously she's still having to protect the outer gates and she can't trust Maeve even if she doesn't yet know at that point that she's infected she knows she's incompetent yeah so and so when proven guilty happens and the fire is able to happen in Arctis Tor. Well, yeah, because like you said, I'm, I feel like I'm missing something because so like part of that kicks off is because Harry's able to to light the the fire mm -hmm. right in the yeah. heart of winter. Yeah, but that just means that the winter goons all fall back on Arctis Tor. Yes, but that allows summer forces to progress because it frees so up front lines yeah gotcha so it's like okay. she's in a very long term way conning summer into acting more right because titania is withdrawn because you know she lost her daughter yeah so. and lily is trying to do as much as she can and she doesn't understand everything that she's doing right fun and i mean that's I, that's that's kind of fun too is like i i really dig on the battle of sicily stuff because you really start to see a lot of that part of the world finally you know you get to find out what the war has looked like for for the last few months at least and you know it does set up a healthy amount of what you know like there's more to come in proven guilty on in that regard because at the end proven guilty you have the reward ceremony as well where you find out that morgan's really a fucking badass he's not just a dick and all talk yeah. Um, he does throw down with the red court and make them pay and, you know, is very much deserving of the acting captain title that he gets at the end of this book. So, um, there's also you know what? the whole incursion and the, like what happened at the, uh, the hospital in the Congo, right. because like they were prepared against magical defenses. They used gas and killed so many people. I, I guess I like it in a sadistic way in the fact that the White Council learned is like you have to protect against mortal shit too. Right. Just like using a gun. Right. 
Well, and, and I mean, like like Ramirez and Morgan or Lucio say, like, you know, they, it wasn't the fact that they used mortals that threw them off because they've contended with that before. It was specifically the gas, you know, and like they're like killed them wounded and asleep in their beds and shit, you know? Yeah, so. it's like bad guys are going to do bad things and right. don't underestimate them, which I feel like because of the uh, sense of tradition and antiquity, that the White Council generally has is that they did. Really, though, I, I attributed this one more to the inside knowledge, right? Clearly, Peabody or somebody fed them the location of the Congo. They thought they had a safe house and the safe house was compromised. So, you know, Lucio and them worry more about the gas. But really, I feel like that's a bigger hand tip and foreshadowing to, you know, the the insider. Because, you know, that's the kind of shit where it's like, guess what? We've got... You know, half of our remaining wardens all hold up here, casualties, you know, in the sense of wounded and, and dying and whatever. And, you know, if you gas them, clearly Injun Joe wasn't there, was somehow able to escape because he shows up at the end of this book and, you know, again later and everything like that. But he's like their main healer in every way, you know, magical and otherwise. So you'd think, hey, guess what? Half of my wardens are hold up here. I better be there. Uh, and for some reason isn't so there's, I mean, there's so much like to unpack in the, the battle of Sicily, it's like half of the chapter, but you get, you know, like, wasn't it, uh, so the Merlin and Rashid like stayed behind to raise a ward. They held off the red court with a ward and just yep. like the fuck, you know, and <laughs> so you get uh, bottle caps, but they bottle cap line at least twice. Yeah. You don't see the Merlin by collecting bottle caps. Yes. Right, which honestly, it's like one of the most annoying lines in this book. I feel like, but they kept repeated by two different people within like three pages of each other. Right, it's just a joke within three sentences of each other. What's yeah? Uh, Harry yeah. thinks it, and then Ramirez says it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, it was. If I felt like that was clearly like on his brain, he's like, "I'm going to use this thing," and then maybe didn't catch it in editing or something. But, but well, yeah. that's because he's you know. He's still in Sheila's apartment. Right. True. That's the glitch in the matrix, like kind of like deja vu, right? Where the cat comes by and then it comes by again. Like, was it another cat that looked just like the first or was it the same cat? Be like, Ramirez is inside my head, which means Lashiel is inside. Yep. Thank you. So the added in the, the ad in the max matchbook that's in here too, right? The oh, that's, that's for Lucio. Inside the house. Um, yeah, so you get that you get some about Ebenezer being a big badass too, right? Because he he fights some delaying action with somebody, and you know, like you get to see like the senior council took the field. Like which one? All of them, <laughs> you know. So yeah, and honestly though, we're gonna have to do like a part two because we haven't talked about Ramirez at all for this book, uh, and uh, it reminded okay. me he's my favorite character because. The banter in in Deadbeat is so much better, and Ramirez is a big part of that. So there actually is a lot we haven't noticed. Uh, that's so we very well might. Oh, thanks. That, what? Yeah, made that decision only because Ben said so, though. I'm yeah. agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't argue in front of the children. Yeah, I think you're the child director. Oh. You look like you're holding. Oh. What do you got? Okay, I just think this is the book that we get. Polka will never die. Yes. And I, I like I'm too stubborn to die. Thomas is too pretty to die. Polka will never die. 
Come on, Gravain's Gravain's line. Uh, you from the beginning, right? So Gravain busts in the door with, "It's like you'd kill me, and you you'll have to say it because I'm not looking at it." Yeah, it's like no, I'm gonna kill you right here. So, <laughs> yeah, like, like just the whole like, where would you like to not be shot? Uh, North America, like. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Moffat, I refuse. I deny yeah. thee. Go away already. Yeah, no already. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that and I mean so many of Ramirez's lines like I try to pull in from somewhere else because it's like you've got the whole like uh um I'm trying to remember he's got one from from White Knight. Uh, oh the the in, in the duel in White Knight, right? So you've got that line, but in this one it's always the whole like Oh man, anybody who knows their way around a Kusari is a nasty customer. And Dresden's like, so we shoot him. Damn right we shoot him. <laughs> like <laughs> so yeah, just such a great, you know, like Indiana Jones moment or something where it's like, yeah, this guy's really badass with a sword, but I brought this pistol, so we we win. Yeah. So, and obviously Marcone like says, it's like, what's the point of having free will if one cannot spit in the eye of destiny? <laughs> Well, and what's funny is I've been thinking about that line recently, and I couldn't remember who said it. And so when it's Marcone, I'm like, shit, it's Marcone in this book. Like, damn, I'm quoting Marcone all the time now. Like, Yeah. He just does a thing. It's like, I'm going to help you. How bad is your wound? I will make it worse if necessary. <laughs> right. Is it convincing enough? Wink, <laughs> wink, nudge, nudge. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Marcone gets overlooked a lot, at least in Dresden's perspective, but I don't think anyone else is... Uh, underestimating him or maybe not as much and the fact all he does is like i'm going to help you do what you do best and you go stab people right yeah well, he built right. up enough of a cachet to get on the accords by himself basically doing that yeah right. well i still credit guard you know for a lot of that and and the um monarch you know he's just got money enough to get monarch to tell he him what he needs enough, to know uh cleverness to be able to use Monarch to do things that Monarch agrees with enough for them to lend her guard. Sure. But I mean, some, uh, you know what, thinking about it, some, uh, uh, I bet you a lot of that is actually even Vaterung because right. I, I've been trying to think like, how does, how does um, Marcone even get the connection? I bet you that's one of those uh, Vatarung is like, I'm going to bend the rules a little bit and we're, we're going to be like, hey, we heard you were in the market for a Valkyrie, you know, type yeah. of thing where it's like Vatarung is probably playing Marcone as much as anything to be like, I need you to have this much knowledge and power because we need Dresden to win. Yeah, you know? Vatarung's doing the same thing that Marcone is doing and Marcone probably knows it. It's like, I'm just going to help you do the thing that you're going to do best. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, Marcone's total thing, it's like, I don't need you to work for me. I mostly just need to slip your chain every now and again. And then you just go rampaging around doing what Harry Dresden does and people wind up dead. The right kind of people wind up dead, you know? So. Yep. Yeah. I'm trying to think there was another line or moment or a setup, but it totally escapes my brain right now. So. I mean, just the one though, so. Well, Ben has already declared we're doing part two, so you can save it for them. Well, I mean, there's right? there's uh, there's there's plenty of plot elements to talk about. There's the story structure. There's some ancillary characters. You got Rollins. Rollins. That I was going to bring up Lamar. So yeah, but Rollins is <laughs> again is good. Well, no, because 
uh, I was going to bring up the fact that we were talking about tie-ins earlier and, you know, this, this is another throwback to Grave Peril. So just the whole, like, I mean, I loved his wit too, you know, like, well, you're the wrong color to have gone to my high school. So, <laughs> you know, and Harry whiffing the, uh, you know, armed forces uh, branch and whatever. So on his guess, but just the, just the whole thing with the, uh, you know, like, you know, yeah, before you showed up, they lost a baby a week or something like that. But after you showed up, they didn't lose one. So, yeah. Clearly, see, the way it really should have gone if Harry actually had bad luck, it was clearly it was your fault and he just shoots him right there. <laughs> well, you know, because every EMT is just packing heat as well as a bulletproof vest. So, <laughs> Lamar went to that high school, but I wouldn't <laughs> bet against it. It is Chicago. No, I, well, he, I believe he it. has that beat. He has that uh, beat for the whatever for the ambulance. It's not a nice part of town. Yeah. Rollins is fine. It's like I haven't gone into the crime scene yet. You can tell that <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great line, and th that in his little backstory of like, you know, I. <laughs> Ah hell! I've been in charge a couple of times. Keep getting busted down. It doesn't stick, you know. And and then his little story about finding something strangling a girl and right. Papa Murphy showing up with the rock salt shotgun. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Papa Murphy gets brought up twice, not just once, but twice in this book. Because there's also the uh, Mort. Right, Mort. Mort. Because Mort shows up again. There's right. so many tie-ins. It's like a, like a pilot episode with the Dresden Files. And Mort actually has his powers because he's been practicing since Grave Peril. Yeah, and, and not just cold reading people. He's actually doing the right thing, and that's why he had to. Yeah. Talking about Mort, one of the things that I thought was interesting that you know made it into my notes is like, so Mort t gets the spirits to do the thing with the red ink, right, to find out where the necromancers are, and they mm -hmm. come up with six hot spots. And for some reason, that's immediately not where black magic has been done. It's that must be where they are at this moment, right? Or that yeah, like, of them, right? It's which is ridiculous, right? Because Dresden's like, oh, there's six of them, and I'm like, no, there's three of them, and then maybe they're apprentices if you want to get technical. But Lishion doesn't do a lick of necromancy that we see. So, like, I I don't understand that whole thing. Oh, I felt like that was kind of an oversight, but maybe, I mean, it seemed a little like I'm not sure exactly what they're saying because like this one is darker, so maybe that means undertown instead of actually inside O'Hare, right? And so like he had to go figure out what was it, and then he went to the like place on Wacker. It's like it's just a street. What the hell? Right. There was a dead guy there though that one time. So, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. So those, the, I think that's those are the places that were touched by the blacky magic, the black magic. Oh no, the black magic. Right. And so there happened to be six, and there happened to be six, you know, or three people, three people with uh, with a buddy and the yeah. buddy system. So it happened to work out, which like, it's just it might be one of those things where Jim was just like he does. Well, we know for sure two of them can use magic, so you know if the ghoul can also. Right. Right, if, but we didn't see any evidence of that. So, you know. The evidence is right there if you just have the nerve to see it. I see, yeah. I mean, really, Li Xian's entire contribution was the, you know, ninja star for some reason and the the lawyer scene, you know. 
Jim's like, I need somebody to be eaten, like the lawyer in Jurassic Park. And uh, the Butters is just great. Like, didn't he see the movie? Like, come on, you know. Not only that, that's now two, that's going to be two books in a row with Proven Guilty coming up where the lawyer gets killed by some supernatural thing. There's also, hey, you just squashed that car. Can we go by my boss's house? Right. <laughs> well, and the the rampage, it, like, it always strikes me as the, I think it was 99, the, the Godzilla with, um, anyway. Yeah, thank you. And, and just because you've got like the National Guard running around and everything is well there and just Dresden's whole like, out of the way, fools! Like, it's like, yeah, just, you know, that is a rampaging T-Rex. Maybe you don't want to be here right now, so. Yeah. And how did they explain that to their boss? Like, seriously. They, they didn't. Uh, they blamed it on Ergot. Did, did anyone notice how you know the uh, the ghoul calls Corvus take a lord, and then Dresden assumes you know it's a guy switching bodies because lord. Yeah. It goes from like, like that's the leap he takes, kind of. Well, after it can't be his Corvus thing, but yeah, but he that person is a female, and I don't know why, and then it's revealed as a woman in a ghost story. It's like right. Yeah. Right. Ghost thing. Do you think that was intentional or just like a, eh, it's a girl later? Like he decided originally he was like, it's a man. And then later he's like, eh, it's well, a girl. Technically in English, gender neutral is male. So. Usually. Right. Yeah. Well, and the thing, the thing that got me was like, I think Lucio refers to cor the corpse taker as the creature. Right. Which to me, it kind of implied that it wasn't a mortal. And then we get the whole ghost thing. So I don't know. Like well, somebody called it the creature. Come so. back to life. So. Right. Let's face it. The council really doesn't think of anything that's not a human or a wizard as little more than a creature's. Yeah. Which is probably well, part of their arrogance and why they allowed themselves to get gassed because they just figured the monsters would be too stupid and run against the wards. Right. I mean, to be fair, that's what Gravain has his zombies do. Yeah. Yeah, but those are zombies. And that's and that's evidence of Gravain's, you know, like mindset. You know, he uses disposable bodies and up until the end. It clearly he can he can rise beyond that, but yeah. There's there's a moment that always seems suspicious to me. Uh when Harry decides he's going to die because Morgan is going to kill him and he's not gonna kill Morgan, he decides right. to throw his death curse at Gravain. Why Gravain when he clearly thinks Cowl is more dangerous? Because Cal has contended with death curses before. We already know that. So, And Gravain wouldn't see it coming because he's a tard. Like, Gravain is basically like, he's like the necromancer uh, binder, you know, right? Where he's just like, I, I get goons. That's what I do. And he was definitely Kemmler's lackey and just he's got a higher opinion of himself than... <laughs> I think he's maybe like Kemmler's son. Fedora. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's also well, and and the and the uh, grammar correction, right? He's the first bad guy who cares about grammar, and it's like there is a possibility. I mean, we know death curses don't necessarily require a line of sight, but you may have to have a general idea of what the person looks like, and if you can't see who Cal is, that's fair. Oh, if he doesn't know the real identity, then he might. Well, even, I mean, even if he, you know, identity is what if Cal had taken his hood off, for instance, maybe he could have because he. Oh, that's what he looks like. I can picture it in my head now. 
Well, you, like you pictured my... a guy with a robe on. I assume right. line of sight will like work regardless of you right. Know, line of, like he probably could have done it if he was thinking like that way. Yeah, but if but you don't have line of sight and her death curse. She didn't need line of sight. She knew exactly yeah, she knew the identity and like the right. intimacy. I, I was I was gonna say like let's see if we could say this without being crass. Like she really knows Lord Race like biblically. So they fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it got a baby. Like man, shit. That could be that all the links she needed is that she was pregnant with Thomas and Thomas is half his. So that Thomas that was a, the blood tide again. Thomas is an older brother. Thomas yeah, is not since not she was not currently pregnant with him. She, she had, been. had been pregnant with him. Yeah, so okay. Oh, I see. So you I see. So the death curse was a message to Thomas. I thought so rather than a oh, but you know what it was against Lord Wraith was the point. And was, she yeah. powered it through her connection to her children. That's yeah, right. Her, her bloodline keeps it going. And Thomas's right. bloodline is connected to Wraith. Also. So mm -hmm. Harry can have a, a death curse. That's powered by Bonnie. No. No? Mm, not a bloodline. Yeah, she's oh, got no that. blood. Yeah, but she's still, still pregnant. She's still pregnant, man. And he's not pregnant with her anymore. He got that oh, out. What? Yeah, besides, assume for the briefest of moment that was possible. To what end does that work? Was he's going to kill an angel? Yeah. Take that, Lash. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to kill her again. Nicodemus. Nicodemus forever loses any connection to... Oh, wait, no, I guess that wouldn't work. And Duriel, well, but that one. You wouldn't need Bonnie for that. If you want to try and make that death curse, you just picture Nicodemus. That's, well, that's true. I'm not clever enough to come up with it. Right? Oh, you heard my feeling. My feeling. My feeling. But you said it first, so... Yeah, well, uh, on that note... You know how... Uh, Gravain goes like something along the lines of I am the favorite son. Is he being metaphorical? Do you think there's a chance he's actually like... No, he was being metaphorical because he said it's, I was his favorite child. Like, almost like Ward. Okay, because well, I was thinking maybe... First, so. I was just thinking maybe that's why he's kind of like the weak sauce necromancer. It's kind of like, eh, it's his son. We have to let him join well, I mean, mm -hmm. if you take what Cal says at face value, he had nothing but disdain for Kemler. He's just kind of using the teachings as a way to further his own, which makes sense of the, the way the general Black Council seems to operate. You know, they don't really necessarily, most of them, think that working with the outsiders is anything other than a, a way to meet their own ends. Misguided, though, that may be in the end. So, Cal strikes me as arrogant enough to think that way. Petrovich. You know, face it, if he was, if he was, if he was a senior council member, he definitely got the arrogance. He he's not Petrovich. He's Darth Pelagius the Wise. Stop it. He has so much power that some would deem unnatural. I've never heard the tragedy of Darth Pelagius the Wise. Yeah. Go read it. It's not a story that the White Council would tell you. Oh! Okay. <laughs> well, we've jumped the shark, so... <laughs> Although, I was actually thinking about that whole bullshit when Kamori was going on. I was like, but you can end death. It's like, yeah, then you can't kill Hitler. Yeah. 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 But you also, I mean, can't, was... you also can't kill Einstein. 
think. It buckles the mind. And Einstein would come up with some kind of like force field to keep Hitler in the ball that, yeah. okay, I think now we've got to win ourselves. So, no. Check me. <laughs> are, are we done with the game? I, <laughs> ben I mean, said we're doing part two and we always listen to Ben. So. The there's, still, there's still a lot to talk about. I mean, we haven't... We didn't really talk about the Knights of the Cross and, and some of that synergy. We didn't really talk about Cassius at all. Uh, you know. Would you like so, to put your little short ha happy story or something you saw on your notes, a happy fun story about Cassius? Oh, the spoilers, uh, that one. So um, so yeah, the fun, fun family story for this is that, you know, predictably I got family and friends hooked on the books and whatnot. And while my brother was going through them, he's uh he's in the middle of reading deadbeat and i'm like blah 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 something can't remember the details um yeah it's it's so crazy the thing that he did with cassius and he's like what and i'm like you know snake boy he's like who liver spots and he's like what and then he's like processing processing he's like oh shit are you kidding me that's who that is and i'm like oh darn you know yeah. and so i was like because the whole time i'm like trying not to spoil him and whatever and he's like i can't believe you spoiled that for me and i'm like i feel really bad about this but let me tell you i have not spoiled anything of consequence you know in comparison <laughs> and when he finally when he finally got to changes and he's like thank you thank you for not spoiling that for me because i was like yeah that would have been a spoiler like you know yeah. p.s spoiler there's a book 13 you know so I, I happen to love it whenever on the subreddit it says my friend is reading changes for the first time and everyone's like, yay. I know everyone's like <laughs> it's a spectator sport of misery and joy. Right. You people got issues. <laughs> we just, you know, misery loves company and all that. There's another great Stephen King book, Misery. Probably the best movie okay, I've ever no. No. Oh, no, no, sorry, no callbacks. No callbacks. No. I let you have a half an hour of Stephen King. Shut up. <laughs> you know what? Just for that no part two episode for you. How I'll, I'll, okay, fine. I'll is, stop is, it. I won't make a stand. Oh, God, I'm ending is, it now. Is, 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 is,